Man, I said 30 minutes, huh? I knew it wasn't going to be 30 minutes. <laughs> Welcome to Mammal Talk, the companion podcast for the Blood Bowl Mid-Atlantic Mauling League. In this episode, we're learning to play Blood Bowl 3 with the new Blood Bowl 2020 rules. Welcome to episode 23 with Blood Bowl 3 on the horizon. Coming out in just a few weeks at the time of recording, we decided we would talk about the Blood Bowl 2020 rule set, the new rule set that Blood Bowl 3 will be based on. There are a lot of changes when compared to the Living Rulebook version 6 rules that Blood Bowl 2 largely uses. Whether you are a veteran coach or a new coach, this is a great episode to jump in and... Uh, and take a listen to because we're going to be talking about all the rules of Blood Bowl. So you can hear all of the changes. And if you just want to get your feet wet into Blood Bowl, you can also hear the basics on how to play. I also want to apologize for the recording of this episode. It is so long. I didn't expect it to go so long. And because of that, I just didn't have time to edit it properly. Uh, so the, the speech won't be as tight the sound won't be as clean, but hopefully the content is still just as good, and uh, I apologize for that. Uh, but uh, other than that, without further ado, what do you say we get underway? I am joined this week once again by Artificial Bunny. How's it going, man? Going good, rolling bones, getting skulls. Oh man, we are talking about Blood Bowl 2020 today, aren't we? It's so good. Everyone's gonna yeah. love it. Yeah, I think so. I think there's a, a lot of uh, a lot of very necessary changes between the LRB six and the BB twenty twenty rules were implemented. Um, we will talk about them all in this episode. In this episode, we're, we're going to talk about how to play Blood Bowl. Um, Blood Bowl 3 is on the horizon. It comes out on the 23rd of February, 2023, which is uh, a few weeks away at the time of recording. And so I figured it'd be a good, good opportunity to go over the new rules. Uh, and if, if people haven't played Blood Bowl at all, then this will be a good opportunity to explain how the game works. What do you think? Sounds great. All right. Well, Blood Bowl if you're unfamiliar, is uh, the game of fantasy football, as its uh, slogan is. Fantasy, in this case, meaning high fantasy. It is a game where orcs, ogres, elves, humans, all, uh, vampires, all sorts of various races and creatures get together to take to the field, to the pitch, to score touchdowns against each other. They're playing... Um, it's kind of American football. It's not really. <laughs> it's... Uh, there's a lot of smashing and hitting, um, but otherwise there's no concepts. So uh, the the American football concept of a of a down is not really in play. It's it's a it's more like it's more like soccer with hands and uh, hits. 
I always say um, it's American football as made by people who have never seen American football. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, for simplicity's sake, we'll refer to it as American football. But uh, generally speaking, you'll have 11 players on your team. So 22 players will be on the pitch and uh, there'll be a kickoff. And then one team will try to move the ball down to the other side of the pitch to score a touchdown. Touchdowns are worth one point. And, uh, as you would expect after you score a touchdown, the opposing side will be on offense and they'll have an opportunity to score. There are, it's a turn-based game. It's a, it's a tabletop game. We in the league play the video game version, uh, but it is otherwise identical to the tabletop game. There are eight turns in a half. So both teams are each going to have eight turns. So 16 turns in total in a regulation game. Uh, it could go to overtime if, uh, if the game demands it. Otherwise, whoever scores the highest touchdowns wins. If it's a draw, then of course it's a draw. Um, the pitch, the pitch is 13 spaces, uh, not wide, long, (laughs) 13 spaces long from the line of scrimmage to an end zone. And is, uh, what is it, 15 wide? That's right, right? 15 wide from sideline to sideline. And it's divided up into what I would call six sectors. So uh, the full pitch is 26 spaces, and the width is 15 spaces or 15 squares. And if you can imagine it divided up uh, into six rectangles from the line of scrimmage, that's the center line, all the way to an end zone right in the middle of the pitch. That's a, that's a segment. That's a sector. And then there are two to either side of it. Those two sectors to either side are called wide zones. When you set up for a drive, when you set up at the beginning of a, of, of a, ter- of a drive, which is a kickoff, basically, um, you're going to have to put three of your players on the line of scrimmage in that center sector. You can put up to two players in either wide zone, and then everything else is fair game. You can put everyone else wherever you want. One player is going to be your kicker. That player cannot be on the line of scrimmage. Uh, And this is important if you have the kick skill. Um, If you put somebody with the kick skill up on the line of scrimmage or otherwise in an illegal position, you can't choose him to be the kicker. I have made this mistake a million (laughs) times. You absolutely don't want to make that mistake. Um, and then you'll kick the ball. You'll hold on to the ball for as long as you can. Uh, there's no concept of downs. You don't have to get 10 yards in four downs or else it's a turnover. Uh, it's really, in fact, the concept of a turnover in Blood Bowl is, is very different. It simply means your turn is over. Um, and that's, that's a very important aspect of this game. Lots of your actions are going to, uh, depend on die results, on die rolls. And generally speaking, when you fail a die roll, your turn is over. So if you take an action with one of your players and you fail a die roll, your turn is over before you get the action any of your 10 other players, which is very bad, generally speaking. The turnover was the biggest hurdle for me learning the game, I think. It took a little bit to get used to like making the safe moves first and trying to make sure that anything risky that could cause a turnover wouldn't happen until later on in the turn when it was safer for it to happen. Yeah, it's. I think it's tricky for most new players, generally speaking, because probability is hard, right? Like you look at a D6 
and you say, oh, this only fails on a one. It It's very easy to think it shouldn't fail. I, I always say that people who are sort of new to games that involve lots of dice, they have three sort of buckets that they categorize probabilities in. Either it must always work, it must never work, or it's just a straight 50-50, <laughs> which, of course, is not how probabilities work. Um, it is. This is a game where knowing how to calculate probabilities really, really matters. Uh, knowing combinatorics really, really uh, combinatorics is uh, the the math of counting. Um, that may sound very, very naive. Like, oh, I, I know how to count. Who doesn't know how to count? Honestly, uh, our very first episode is about combinatorics and probability. I would say check it out if you're unfamiliar, um, because this is a game where you chuck a lot of dice. And it's very, if you don't know what's happening, it's very easy to say, oh, well, it's, it's a random game. It's not. It's better <laughs> players, better players win more consistently than poorer players. And there's a reason for that. Um, but yeah, on your turn, you'll get to action all of your players one time. They can do, uh, any number of, uh, I guess I'll call them standard actions. Um, every player will take an action. They'll finish their action before you'll, you'll action another player. And once you've actioned everyone, or you have nobody less uh, that you want to action, you'll end your turn, and then your opponent will get to go. And you'll do this back and forth for eight turns. Each of you will have eight turns to make stuff happen. Um, the actions your players can take um, are movement. So, well... Do you think we should talk about uh, the actions they can take, or should we talk about the stat lines of a player first? I'd say actions they can take first, because those are affected by the stat lines. The actions that players can take, uh, there's a handful of them. One of the actions they can take is they can move. They're going to have a movement allowance. If you take the move action, very simply, you can move up to your movement allowance. If your player has a movement allowance of, say, six, you can move six spaces. Everything is adjacent in Blood Bowl, including diagonals. So orthogonal spaces and diagonal spaces are all adjacent. That means that in any given square, there are eight adjacent squares. And you can move into any adjacent square you want with some limitations that we'll uh, talk about a bit later. Um, but that's very simply what a move is. You can move up to your maximum allowable movement. You can throw a block. So if you're adjacent to a player, uh, an opposing player, you can try to, to knock them down by rolling block dice. Uh, those would be the two big actions, I would say. There's a few more actions that you can do that are once-per-turn actions. These actions are uh, actions that only one of your players can take on a turn, and once, you've, once they've done that, uh, nobody else can do that action, one of which is a pass, much like a football pass. Uh, a, a player can, can uh, pass the ball to someone else, you get sort of a, a, a free movement rolled into the pass action. So when you take the pass action, you're allowed to move and then pass. You don't have to move your full allowance when you move, but once you pass, you're done moving. Handoffs are the same way. Uh, there are once per turn action. You can move before you hand off, but once you've hand off, hand, hand it off, you're done with your action. You can throw a teammate. This is basically a pass, but you're chucking your own teammate. Isn't that fun? Uh, otherwise, only works, with certain uh, teams. <laughs> indeed, only with certain teams with certain skills. Uh, basically, works the same as a pass. Uh, the pass distance get cut, gets cut in half, uh, but we won't get into the details of that 
just yet. Um, basically works the same way. It's a once per turn action. There is a blitz. Now, this is a once per turn action that you will see a lot. A blitz it works a little bit differently. A blitz is where you can move and take a block in the same turn. However, you don't get sort of a free movement with it, and it works a little differently. So when you take your... Basically, you can think of a blitz action as a move. But at any point during that movement, you can trade one of those movement points in for a block. So if I have a movement of six, I could move five and take a block. Or I could move two, take a block, and move three more spaces. You can actually split your movement up with a blitz. That's something you can't do with these other actions. Uh, a blitz is a very, very important skill to understand. It's an important sk uh, skill. It's not a skill, it's an action. It's a very important action to understand. Uh, it's one that you really want to get your head around early. New coaches will often forget that they can continue moving after a blitz because there's no other action that lets you do that. Um, but it's often uh, very prudent, very, very good tactics to take a blitz Move up, take a blitz, spend the remaining movement to put yourself back into an advantageous position. One other standard action you can take is called the foul, one of my favorite actions. <laughs> this is uh, like a throw teammate or a handoff or a pass. This has a baked-in free movement. When you foul someone, you get to move, and then you get to foul a prone player. Players can be in two basic states on the pitch. They can either be on their feet or they can be prone. Um, there's a few other status conditions when they're on the ground, but basically when they're on the ground, you can, uh, take a cleat to their face. <laughs> <laughs> very um, well put. <laughs> and this, uh, this is a, a very advantageous way to try to get players off the pitch or really take them out of their careers. And we'll explain how that works a little bit later when we talk about how blocks work. Um, there are a few other actions uh, we're not going to get into today. They're team specific, um, but there are a number of special actions that certain teams, certain players can take. Um, that's something to keep in mind when you talk about Blood Bowl. Fouling is also a good way to get your own players called off the pitch and put in the penalty box. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, if you foul in Blood Bowl, you'll be called off the pitch. Uh, there's a bunch of ways to, uh, I'm going to say quote unquote foul, but, uh, if you foul, you can get called off the pitch. There's, it's not like hockey. You don't come back into the game. If you're called off, you're out of the game. <laughs> so it's very risky. Um, but this is a fun game where you can bring onto the pitch things called secret weapons. So there are things like chainsaws that are not allowed on the pitch, but some, some teams will bring them and, uh, They'll be able to field them for a drive for the ref goes, wait a minute. What was that a chainsaw? Get off the pitch <laughs> for shame. <laughs> How dare you? This is such a stand up game of honor and dignity. And you're going to bring a chainsaw or a steamroller to the pitch. I can't believe what I'm seeing. <laughs> when uh, when you feel the team in Blood Bowl, so you you get starting money. So if you have no team and you're just starting out in the game, you're going to get a number of gold coins. Um, you'll start with a million, which sounds like a lot, and it is, but uh, you'll deplete that very quickly when you build your team. When you build a team, you select a race, and then you have to uh, you have to build your team with at least 11 players to start with. You can have a maximum of 16 players on a Blood Bowl team um, with certain 
certain exceptions like in mid game um like you'll you'll uh we'll we'll just reveal it our next episode we'll talk about the uh we'll talk about the teams that are new to blood bowl 2020 but uh teams like undead they can temporarily have more than 16 players because they can kill opposing players and have them regenerate <laughs> as zombies to play for them um but generally speaking uh, you can only ever have on your roster a maximum of 16 players. And when you build a team, you have to have at least 11 to start with. These players, uh, uh, these positions are all going to be different depending on the race you choose. There's a ton of races in Blood Bowl to choose from. There's humans, orcs, Amazons, ogres, lizardmen, goblins, halflings, you name it. There's a ton of races in Blood Bowl, and they're all very different. Uh, with different players, different skills those players can have, uh, different special actions they may have access to, different tactics, different strategies. It's one of my favorite parts of Blood Bowl. Uh, I mean, I think that's one of the best things about Blood Bowl, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I love making teams. Yeah, it's so fun. I, I, I say it all the time, but I, it's it's really true. It, it just It's so much like a fighting game. Like, you, you choose... Uh, a character, or in this case, a race that gels with you, um, something that fits your play style, something you put some time into and you sort of figure out a play style all your own. And it's so fun to watch coaches do this. And, you know, we, you can watch them and go, why did he do that? That was dumb. Or, oh my, he did that? I, I can't believe that. I, I didn't know you could do that. It's so cool. Um, but these players all have uh, characteristics, as, uh, as they're called. In Blood Bowl 2020, there are five characteristics. This has been a change from the LRB6, no? Yes. They've now got a passing stat. Yeah, they have a passing stat. Um, and that was an important change, I think, because elves in the old game, uh, passing was tied to their agility, and elves were very agile. So elves could do it all, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> and now... Especially the Wood Elf team, only only a few players on that team have really good passing, and the rest are just mediocre, which makes them have to be a little careful. Yeah, I think this is a really good change to, to Blood Bowl. I think it was a necessary change. Uh, having high agility just made you way too good in that game, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like humans and Skaven really made out on this one yeah i i totally agree with that uh i think i think a humans made out like gangbusters in the new rules but <laughs> um uh, so there are five characteristics to any given player so players can have their movement allowance which we touched on this is a a standard number uh, so if you have a, a movement allowance of seven you can move seven spaces on a turn you have a strength value this is also a standard number uh, if a player has a strength of six and they oppose a player with a strength of four, a strength of six is stronger. Uh, then there are three three characteristics that are identified by target values. This is also different in BB2020. First is the agility characteristic. This has, uh, again, what's called a target number. So this is represented by a number and a plus. And this is a two-hit, basically, number. So if I have an agility of two plus... That means whenever I make an agility roll, I need to roll a two plus on a d6 in order to succeed. 
So while high MA and high strength is better, a lower target number for AG is better. So it's telling you the the number you need to roll. This is very different from the LRB6, where the LRB6 tried to normalize everything to where higher numbers were better. Uh, and this is an age-old debate in, in tabletop gaming, which which is the more intuitive way to represent a number if you are more about analysis and comparing uh, two players against each other and saying, uh, you know, what what is the base value of one strength versus one AG? The old way is probably preferable to you. If you're more about what do I need to roll to succeed, then this way is uh, more preferable to you. I don't have a dog in this fight. I don't. I don't really care that it's been changed. It's something that took me a little bit to get used to, like the new format. But I think I like it better after having played a bit on tabletop. Yeah, it just takes some time to get used to. I think, and um, I again, I don't. I don't mind one way or the other. Um, but it does bear in mind again that movement and strength higher numbers are better. Agility, lower numbers are better. And the same for this new passing characteristic. So there's a dedicated passing characteristic to all players in Blood Bowl 2020. It works just like an AG, uh, uh, an AG target number. A lower number is better. So if I have a passing attribute of two plus, that means on a two or higher, uh, I will succeed my pass roll. Some characters might not be able to pass in which case they'll have a null value. It'll be represented by a dash or a hyphen. Uh, and then the final value is also a target number, but this is your armor value. This tells you how resilient you are to being injured. And this target number works a little differently. The higher numbers are better because this is the number that will break your armor. So if I have an AV of 10 plus on a 2D6, uh, a 10 or higher will break my armor. Yeah, and they they basically took the same way that the armor value works in uh, the LRB6, but just like moved everything up a number. So instead of an armor of seven, it's now an eight plus, and instead of an armor eight, it's now a nine plus. So it's the same armor values, but just displayed a little bit differently yeah yeah that's right uh, an av7 used to mean that you needed better than that to break armor and now it's simply a target number that you're trying to hit each of these characteristics bring to the table some sort of role that you can make uh, die roll that is so the movement allowance allows you to move your maximum movement distance but also you can move up to two extra spaces. How fun is that? How safe is that? What a safe action that is. So safe. Never fails. <laughs> this, uh, as part of a movement, you can take up to two additional spaces of movement. For each one, you have to make a die roll. It used to be called going for it or a GFI. In the new rules, it's called a rush. So in, in the new rules, uh, it basically works the same way. For every additional space you want to move, you get a maximum of two additional spaces you can take. You roll a d6. So long as you don't roll a one, you're solid. You roll a one, 
you you trip over your your shoelaces and you fall over and it's not good i guess games workshop just really likes canadian prog rock <laughs> i love rush <laughs> uh there's also a new movement action in this uh, not movement action i should say there's a new movement option when you take a move action uh called jumping do you want to explain how jumping works yeah, now instead of being completely blocked by prone or stunned players laying down on the pitch, you can use your agility check to try and jump over them. It's not something that you'll see a lot of players do, but it's it's a new option, and I think after a little while, once people get used to it, it's going to start having more of a more of an effect on the way people play. We'll talk about how agility rolls work in just a second, but uh, are there any negative modifiers on jumping? There's a negative, there's minus one for each mark, right? Uh, now you can jump over prone or stunned players instead of being blocked off by them. You just roll an agility check and uh, you get negatives depending on uh, whether or not the space you're moving into or out of is marked by other players and it's the higher number of the two that affects your agility check right so uh, being marked by a player is when uh, an opposing player is adjacent to you so you can jump over a prone player when you jump over the player you're basically moving two spaces each of those spaces count as a movement so the the Space occupied by the prone player counts as a movement, and the space you're landing in when you jump counts as a movement. You're going to get a minus two to your agility roll, which I promise we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, you get a minus—I'm sorry, not a minus two. You get a minus to your agility roll based on how many marks there are, either in the space you started your jump from or the space you end your jump in. So, for example, if I'm trying to jump over an opposing player and there's one standing enemy player next to me when I start my jump, and there'll be two standing next to me when I end my jump, that jump is an AG roll with a minus two. And it'll cost you two MA to make the jump. I think this is a big, big change to the rules. What do you think? Oh, yeah. And it makes uh, it makes for a little bit easier time getting into cages somewhat, but it also, since this also affects the leap skill you're seeing a little bit of a negative effect on, say, wood elf cage leaps and whatnot. Mm-hmm. This uh, this prevents you from shutting down lanes with prone players. In the old game, in the LRB6, if you have a prone player, sometimes it was advantageous to have that player just lay down on the ground where he was because nobody could move through that space. Not anymore. Now players can jump over these players and, uh, oh, we didn't mention when you make a jump, it's very similar to a block, which we'll talk about in a bit, but you can jump into any of the three spaces directly behind the player. So again, because each space has th- uh, eight adjacent spaces, if you imagine your piece and the piece you're jumping over, draw a line between that, and then there'll be a space directly behind it, and then two to either side. These are the spaces you can jump into. Uh, I I think this is a great addition to the game. I really love this uh, the concept of jumping over players, and I think oh, it's gonna absolutely. yeah, it's gonna allow us to see 
big plays, I think, and really change <laughs> the dynamics of the tactics of Blood Bowl from what we're used to in Blood Bowl 2. Yeah. Since it's an agility check, it definitely benefits the more agile teams. But never discount what rolling a six can do for a big guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Well, let's talk about agility right now. Uh, uh, agility rolls, this is, we mentioned this was a target number roll. So you roll a d6, and to make, to succeed on an agility roll, you have to meet or beat that target number. There are various modifiers that can be applied depending on the action or the type of roll you're trying to do. We already talked about one of those modifiers with jumping. You get uh, a minus one to your roll for every marked player um, that affects that jump. In the old game, most agility rolls gave you a plus one for just performing it, but that's not true anymore, is it? Uh, no, not necessarily. Yeah, so agility rolls are basically, in this game, if if a rule says make an agility roll and your agility is 3+, plus, you roll a d6. If you get a 3 or higher, you succeed. Uh, the, the rules are much more simplified, I think, than the way they used to be for agility rolls. They've baked in a lot of those uh, pluses and minuses into the skill itself. Yeah, I think that was really smart. Uh, uh, a really smart thing for GW to do. Um, agility rolls are probably the most common role you'll do in Blood Bowl. It's used for all sorts of things. We already talked about how it's used for jumping. It's used for dodging. It's used for all sorts of actions. Um, and it used to be fairly complicated to get your head around. AG4 means three plus, but if I'm dodging, I get one for dodging, and then it's minus two for each tackle zone I'm dodging into. When you're a new player, it's really hard to get your head around that thing. And I think it it's it's a lot easier for a new player to look at, oh, I need a two or higher. Cool. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the way AG rolls work. So any agility roll you make, you roll a d6, you have to beat the target number. Whatever you roll will get modified either positively or negatively by some sort of modifiers. These rolls always succeed on a six on a natural six and always fail on a natural one. G I was about to call it GFI. A rush roll can be considered sort of like a, an agility. It's not actually an agility roll, but you're rolling a D six. Same rules apply. Uh, natural six succeeds. Natural one fails. Um, again, agility is used for things like dodging. Uh, well, that's mostly what you'll use it for when you're uh, new to the game. A dodge is when you take a movement action out of somebody's tackle zone. So players all exert tackle zones in every adjacent space around them. If you are in an opposing player's tackle zone and you want to get away, you have to dodge away. And the way it works is you have to make an agility roll. And there's a minus one modifier for every tackle zone you will be in when you dodge. So let's say I'm in the tackle zone of one of your players. I dodge out into the tackle zone of two other players of yours. I'm going to get a minus two to my dodge roll. Um, dodging can be fairly risky. It depends on the team. Some teams are better at dodging than others. There are certain skills that allow you to re-roll dodges. Um, and that's a thing we should talk about next. Rerolls. As part of the game of Blood Bowl, when you roll dice, you are allowed to roll that die pool uh, over again either with some sort of skill that allows you to do it 
or with something called a team reroll. So when you build your team, not only are you building your team of 11 players, you're also building sort of a, a coaching staff or an assistant staff. And that includes extra coaches, cheerleaders, rerolls, a doctor called an apothecary. Uh, and rerolls are a very, very important part of the game of Blood Bowl. You have an allotment of team rerolls. When you buy them on a fresh team, they cost a certain amount of money. And then once that team has been built, all future re team rerolls are going to be double what they were worth when the team was new. So you'll often see a lot of coaches when they build their roster try to get as many rerolls as they can early because it's it's half off. But a team reroll is a reroll you can use to reroll any one die pool on your turn. You can only use one team reroll per turn. And when you roll it, you have to roll reroll all of the dice you rolled. So uh, we'll talk that that'll be make more sense when we talk about blocks, but you'll often roll two dice for a block. If you don't like those dice or maybe both are okay, but you're looking for something better, you have a decision to make. Uh, do I want to re-roll and possibly get the thing I'm looking for or re-roll and possibly get something worse? Um, but the same applies to uh, an agility roll. You can re-roll that die with a team re-roll and certain skills will allow you to re-roll a die as well. So if Again, a dodge roll is an agility roll. You can uh, re-roll that with the dodge skill for free. However, you can only ever re-roll any given die pool one time. So if you have the dodge skill, you're never going to use a team re-roll on it, right? Um, you you just make the dodge, spend the free re-roll, and uh, you get what's coming to you. That hasn't <laughs> changed, right? Correct. But I think the biggest thing affecting blood bowl 2020 is that you can use more than one team reroll on a turn, which was something. Oh, like really? Ex explain this. Yeah. So I, I feel like this makes for some, some breakout turns where you can completely change the, change the tide of battle, so to speak, where say you have one block it fails, you re-roll it, it succeeds, and then you have another block that you absolutely need to succeed, and you fail that. Well, before if you failed that, that would be your turn finished, but now you can spend another re-roll and re-roll that other block. Wow, so you don't, so it's not one team re-roll a turn anymore. You can spend them all. You can spend as many as you have. That's fantastic. That That is bound to make games more exciting. I, that's great. <laughs> yeah. It definitely makes for some uh, saving up those rerolls for later on in the game, but, you know, it's it's all good fun. <laughs> agility rolls. Some other common uses for agility rolls are picking the ball up off the ground, uh, catching a ball either by a pass or a handoff, um, I can't think of any other common uses for an agility roll. Um, there's the new trait, uh, the new characteristic, I should say, called a passing ability. This is used almost exclusively for passes. Um, works the same way as an AG roll. It's just you use your passing ability instead of your agility characteristic. And that's, again, used for passing the ball. Uh, the armor value. Uh, well, let's not talk about armor value yet. Let's talk about taking blocks. So... Uh, a big action you'll take in Blood Bowl is 
to take a block. And this is where you're going to use a different set of dice. Instead of using D6s, you're going to use the block dice. There are six faces on a block die. Uh, they've, they've, they've renamed one of those faces, the, uh, the pal. We, we would always call the starburst a pal and now it's officially called the pal. So that's great. I'm, I'm very happy to hear that. Pow. Um, but there's, <laughs> uh, very apropos for what it does. Uh, but the, the six faces are, there's a player down result. You'll also hear this referred to as a skull because the icon is a skull. Uh, when you take a block, you're picking a player, you're rolling the block dice. If you roll a skull, instead of your, uh, the opposing player getting knocked down, you get knocked down. So you really don't want to roll skulls. Next is a both down result. This has the starburst, also known as the pal, and a skull on it. When you roll this, all things being equal, both of you get knocked down, both the defender and the attacker. Um, there is a skill that prevents this. It's called the block skill. The block skill allows you to remain standing on a both down result, whether you're the attacker or the defender. This makes block a very solid skill in the game. There's uh, the face called pushback. This is an arrow. Instead of knocking down the opponent, you push them back. Um, back again, when we talked about jumping, it works the exact same way. If you draw a straight line between you and your opponent, then any of the three spaces directly behind them is where they will get pushed to. The attacker gets to choose, generally speaking. Um, so like if, if you're pushing through a corner, there's going to be two orthogonal spaces and one diagonal space that they can go to. Um, there are two of those faces on a block die. So pushes are, it's officially called a pushback, but pushes are twice as likely as any other given die face to, to show up. There's the stumble result. This is the pal with an exclamation point. This basically works like a pal. So let's just talk about the pal. The pal is... Uh, this is the one you're looking for. This is going to knock down your opponent and push them back. So if you get a pal, you push them back, you knock them down, uh, and then you're going to roll for armor, which we'll talk about in just a second. Then the final uh, die face is that stumble result. It used to be called defender stumbles. This is a pal with an exclamation point. It works exactly the same way as a pal, unless your opponent has the dodge skill, in which case uh, they won't get knocked down. They'll just get pushed back. I consider it the low-calorie version of POW. <laughs> <laughs> POW light. POW zero. <laughs> uh, so once you get knocked down, uh, whether it's you as the attacker or the defender getting knocked down on a block, you have to make an armor roll. So you get knocked to the ground. Now you have to roll 2d6. If you meet your armor value target number, your armor has been broken. So remember, the higher your AV, the more likely you are to get through that armor roll. Uh, if your armor is broken, you then roll dice again to see what the outcome is. You roll 2d6 and one of three things can happen to you. You're either stunned, which means that player loses a turn. He'll be out for the rest of his turn. On the next turn, he'll be out and he'll he'll kind of flip over and then he'll be He'll be available to turn after that. So he loses one turn when he's stunned. And that's um, the most likely result being two through correct. seven. That's a, yeah, two through seven on a 2d6. Uh, an eight or nine. An eight. Did I say eight and or nine? Eight and nine. <laughs> well, uh, that's a knocked out result. So if you get knocked out, uh, you're taken off the pitch. You go into the knocked out box off on the side of the pitch. 
And at the beginning of any, any drive, so at the beginning of any half or uh, at the start of a kickoff, you'll roll a D6. On a 4+, plus, you'll come back onto the pitch. Otherwise, you're still sort of dazed and knocked out on the, on the sideline. Uh, and then finally, on a 10+, plus, you get what's called a casualty. This is what everybody's hunting for when they <laughs> roll the block dice. This is uh, the one you never want to see come up against you. Yes. <laughs> so in the uh, old rules, in Blood Bowl 2, you would roll what's called a D68. That was just a D6 and a D8, and you would combine them together. If you rolled a 6 on the D6, you died. <laughs> now <laughs> you roll a D16, and there are various different effects that can happen to you. You could be badly hurt, which just means you're out for the rest of the game, all the way up to permanent injuries and death. In the new game, you die on a 15 or a 16. So the odds are a little bit lower, uh, though not by much, for <laughs> death. I I can f- confirm that it's not much lower. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, block dice are, are, are block rolls are interesting because you can roll up to three dice. And this is determined by that strength stat. So when one player goes to block another player, you compare their strengths. Whoever has the higher strength uh, gets to roll two. Well, if one has higher strength, two dice get rolled. Whoever has the higher strength chooses which of the dice is going to be the one that's in play for that block. So if I'm an attacker with a strength of four and you're the defender with a strength of three, I get to roll two dice and I choose. But if it were flipped, I had a strength of three, you had a strength of four, I'd still roll two dice, but you would choose the die in play. Also known as an uphill block. You generally want to avoid those at all costs. Um, but there are situations where maybe it's not so bad. Uh, if you exceed double the strength of your opponent, then three dice will be rolled. And the one with the higher strength gets the pick of the die. Three die blocks are very powerful because you're rolling three dice, right? You're increasing your odds uh, significantly to, to get that die roll that you want, especially if you have a reroll banked. And it's the only way that you can roll three skulls. <laughs> Sure is. <laughs> now, you might be thinking to yourself, wow, three dice, I have to exceed double. That means if my opponent has a strength of two, I would need a strength of five. Uh, that seems like a lot. It is. Because there's a modifier you get on blocks, and these are assists. The way assists work is, uh, let's say I block your pl- my player blocks your player. If I have another player that is marking your player but is not marked by any of your other players, that player is going to give an assist. He's going to give a plus one to my strength. So if I have a strength of four and I have one assist, I effectively have a strength of five. You can get as many assists as you can get players around a a defender. So conceivably, you could get seven assists on a block. I've never seen that, but it's a thing you could do. Um, And it works for the defender as well. So the defender, if he has any of his players that are marking the attacker, but are not marked by any other opposing player, they will lend an assist on the defense as well. Assists are a very big part of Blood Bowl. It's something that you really need to get your head around um, because uh, not only, and you really kind of have to do it in steps, right? You have to say, okay, I need to remember to take a block with somebody next to me. 
And then you need to remember, okay, I need to take a block with somebody next to me who's not next to any of his other players. And then you need to realize, okay, he's got an assist here. I'm going to move a guy there and I'm going to knock out one of his assists, maybe even two of his assists. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, a lot of the chess game uh, involves negating assists and gaining assists in the game of Blood Bowl. And it's, it's one of my favorite parts of the game. Yeah, definitely one of the harder things to learn, but once you start to see it, it gets a lot easier. It does. Uh, fouls, we'll go back to fouling. Fouls work the same way. So it, with a foul roll, uh, you still get assists on the fouls. A foul, uh, an assist works exactly the same way as a, as a block uh, action does, but you don't have to roll block dice. You're just rolling uh, the armor roll and all of your assists are going to help you on your armor roll instead. So uh, it, it's going to reduce the oppose the opponent's two hit value by one for each assist. So getting assists on a foul is really great for trying to take players off the pitch because you don't need to get through the block roll and you're basically reducing their armor. The downside is if you roll doubles on the armor roll or the resulting injury roll, then the ref has caught you and you will be ejected from the game. Uh, A new thing here is that now you can argue the call against the referee. And yes, you, you can. If you, <laughs> if you get six, you get away with it. <laughs> Although. <laughs> yeah. Now you can argue with the ref. Uh, so if you get caught off the pitch, you as the coach can just argue with the ref. You roll a D six. If you roll a six, the ref's like, Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Cool. Sorry. Sorry. And it's no longer a foul. If you roll a one, the ref gets really angry with you and he ejects you as the coach out of the game. And, uh, <laughs> what's the negative effect of that? You get a minus one to all. Let's see. You get a minus one modifier when you're rolling for brilliant coaching. Which isn't the biggest thing, but you're likely to see brilliant coaching throughout the throughout the game. So yeah, it it can definitely affect you. <laughs> I, I think thematically it's brilliant. I just love the idea that I can argue with the ref and he's like, "You're out of here." <laughs> it's so fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, and so. These are the basics of Blood Bowl. Have we missed any of the basics? I don't think so. If you get the ball into your opponent's end zone, uh, you score a touchdown. Touchdowns are worth one point, whereas the most in the game wins. Um, yeah, so it's it's really a chess game. Uh, in the video game version, generally speaking, you have a timer. Uh, in our league, it's a two-minute timer. So you have two minutes to take your actions. Uh, this plays two roles, not just uh, allowing games to, to move at a at a fairly constant pace, but also adds interesting uh, inter- interesting drama to the game, right? Because two minutes is not a lot of time. No, and it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> you'll often see uh, coaches, uh, a coach is, is, you as the player of the game is known as the coach. You'll often see coaches uh, running out of time or her scrambling to take actions. Uh, I find it very interesting. I believe in Blood Bowl 3, this has been the case in the beta, I don't know if this will be true when the game releases on the 23rd, but you have reserve time, which I think is an interesting mechanic. So in Blood Bowl 3, you you have a timer. Let's say it's two minutes, but then you get a bank of, uh, say, four minutes of extra time. So you can go over your time 
and you have a total extra amount of time of four minutes for the whole game. Yeah, it's a little like a chess clock. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, I think that's very interesting. I think that's a great addition uh, to Blood Bowl 3. Uh, Sometimes those last second uh, movements would get (laughs) interrupted when you're trying to get it in at the last second. And I think it's nice to be able to finish that last little bit that you need. Yeah, it feels really bad when you lose a game due to running out of time. So I, I think this is a good compromise on that. Uh, so when a game begins, uh, so you've, you've built your team, you have your players and your rerolls in your apothecary. Oh, we didn't talk about the apothecary. If you, uh, if you get injured if, or if there's a casualty on the pitch, uh, if you have an apothecary on your roster, you can use them once per game. Uh, you'll basically reroll the casualty die and you'll take whichever result you want out of the two. That could mean that if you died on a block, your doctor's really bad and you roll another death and there's no way out of it. <laughs> but Never sometimes... seen that happen on my own team. <laughs> Every single time. Oh, wait. <laughs> uh, but sometimes, uh, sometimes it'll work out. In fact, often it will. You can also use an apothecary on a knockout and that'll keep the player, instead of taking the player off the pitch, that'll keep him on the pitch and uh, have him stunned instead. So this you, you rarely see this, but you could see this to keep a, a key player on the pitch, either eating up a space or, uh, you know, if it's, say, a Wood Elf team, you know, you you need that ward answer for the Blitz next turn or something. You can keep on the pitch. Um, things like that. So the Apothecary, you'll see a lot of teams pick up an Apothecary. Not every team can have one, but most can. So in the game of Blood Bowl, uh, when the game starts, uh, you play in a stadium. There's weather, right? I mean, there's there's always weather to contend with. So when the game starts, you roll 2d6, and there's a weather table. Uh, most commonly, uh, a 4 through 10, that's going to be uh, what's called perfect conditions. It doesn't do anything. It's just, oh, it's good weather to play Blood Bowl. Awesome. Uh, on a 3, it's very sunny. So it's so sunny, the, the, the sun's in the player's eyes. And every time you want to pass the ball, there's a minus 1 modifier. So this hurts teams that like to pass a lot and then on a two our favorite result (laughs) is sweltering heat uh this has been changed i believe in bb 2020 uh with sweltering heat it's so hot outside that players can be knocked out due to heat stroke so at the start of the next drive you roll a d3 so it's a one or two or a three and that many players on your team are going to be knocked out due to sweltering heat um this I believe in the LRB six, this used to be a lot more potentially punishing. Yes. Than it, is now. <laughs> yeah. it could practically be your entire team. It felt like, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think this is a good change for sweltering heat. I still think it's a fun result. I'm glad they kept it, but they, they dialed that back a good bit uh, on the other end of the spectrum. If you roll an 11, it's pouring rain. So this is where precipitation starts to r- roll in with 11 and 12. On 11, it's pouring rain. It's so slippery. Every time you try to catch or pick up the ball, uh, you get a minus one modifier. You also get a minus one modifier for interference, which we'll talk about in just a second. That's a big change to Blood Bowl. And then finally, on a, on a 12, it's a blizzard. Uh, it's, you know, 
snow is slippery, right? So uh, when you try to rush in a blizzard, you get a minus one modifier, making those rushes twice as risky. Um, and also passes uh, can only be quick and short passes, which we haven't talked about. So let's talk about both of those. Um, so passes and interference uh, kind of go hand in hand. Uh, passing is the most risky action you can take in Blood Bowl, and that's simply due to the fact that there are a lot of die rolls involved. Passing has been changed uh, a whole lot in Blood Bowl 2020 as opposed to Blood Bowl 2 in the LRB6. Uh, the way passing works is if you have the ball in your hand, you choose a target square. First, that target square needs to be in range. So in Blood Bowl, there is a range ruler. It's two squares wide. You'd center it on your space. So if you if you square up this ruler orthogonally, it takes up your space and half of either space adjacent to it. This is this ruler is 13 spaces wide. So you can or first 13 spaces long, I should say. So you can pass half the distance of the pitch. Each of these spaces are divided up into different sort of passing ranges. There are quick passes, short passes, long passes, and long bombs. Um, this is hard to visualize, especially for new coaches. So I'll, I'll walk through this slowly. So if you, if you line up this ruler orthogonally, let's say straight up, uh, if you're visualizing looking, uh, from a bird's eye perspective on the board, you have your, your passer. You can just count out 13 spaces. That's the full distance. The first three spaces are going to be a long, oh, I'm sorry, a, a quick pass. Uh, the next three spaces after that will be a short pass. The next four spaces will be a long pass. And then the last three spaces will be a long bomb. Each of these, the further and further out you get, you get a minus one modifier. So quick passes, there's no modifier. Uh, I'm sorry, quick pass. Yeah, quick passes are no modifier. Short passes are a minus one. Long passes are a minus two. And long bombs are a minus three to your pass roll, which is a target roll against your uh, passing ability. Um. And you want to draw a circle with this ruler, right? So what this means is uh, you're going to have a circle that has a radius of 13 spaces. So orthogonally, your zones are going to be 3, 3, 4, 3. But diagonally, your spaces are going to be 2, 2, 3, 2. Because if you imagine a square, right, we know that the diagonal of a square or the hypotenuse of a right triangle has to be longer than the edges of the square. And so this trips up players a whole lot, even veteran players. Uh, your range diagonally is going to be shorter, space for space. Unlike movement for all the players. Right, exactly right. And uh, I'm glad you brought that up because it is so tricky to visualize, especially when you're new to the game. You look at movement and you can see, you can intuit that the actual distance, like the physical distance on the board is longer. And so you think to yourself, oh, he can't possibly get there on a movement, but he can. And conversely, when you're figuring out your passes, you're like, oh, uh, that, that diagonal pass that's going to be a short pass. It's not, it's a long pass. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's really important to understand that ruler and, and be able to visualize it. But as a good rule of thumb, orthogonally three, three, four, three, diagonally two, two, three, two. After you roll for a pass, um, 
there's going to be a roll for interference, and we'll talk about what happens if you fail the pass roll in a second. Interference is brand new to Blood Bowl. Uh, it used to be a roll for interceptions, and oddly enough, in the old rules, you used to roll for interceptions first. So you rolled for <laughs> interceptions, and then you rolled everything else. Not the case anymore. Now it makes a lot more sense. You roll for the pass, then you roll for what's called pass interference. So then it's a roll for deflections. So now you've rolled for the pass. Let's just assume it succeeded for now. You're going to uh, an opponent that falls, an opposing player, an opposing piece that falls under that range ruler can attempt to deflect the pass. So the opponent will choose one player, uh, one of his players that's under that ruler to try to deflect the pass. And this is going to be an AG roll. So he's going to roll against his uh, agility um, if it's an accurate pass, which we'll explain in a second, then it's going to be a minus three on his AG roll. It's very hard to intercept an accurate pass. Uh, if it's an inaccurate pass, it'll be a minus two. And if it's a wildly inaccurate pass, it's a minus one. In addition to that, if he is marked for every mark that that uh, potential interceptor is marked by, it's going to be a minus one. So interceptions are very difficult. I think they're more difficult now than they were in Blood Bowl 2. Um, they are so worth if, it now, though. Yeah. You can earn SPP, which is the experience points mm-hmm, for yes. intercepting or deflecting, just something that's yeah. new. Yeah, we'll talk about that in just a minute as well. Um, if the pass is successfully interfered with, then that, that player gets a chance to try to intercept the ball, and then he'll just roll to catch. Uh, a catch is an AG roll. Um, there's uh, a minus one if it's if uh, you're trying to intercept, which would be the case here. Uh, there's a minus one to catch a bouncing ball. We haven't talked about how that works in it uh, yet, um, and uh, and that's really it. So uh, and then of course a minus one for all the marks. Uh, but if he catches it, then that's an interception. And as you mentioned, you score SPP for that now. Such a great um, addition. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's rewind a little bit. So we talked about uh, accurate passes, inaccurate passes, wildly inaccurate passes. How does that work? So when you, if you f- uh, succeed on the passing roll when you pass, that's called an accurate pass, and the ball is going to end up in the space that you targeted uh, with your pass. Uh, if you fail, it's an inaccurate pass, and the ball is going to scatter. And we haven't talked about what that word means yet, and we will in a second. Um, if you roll a one after modifiers, it's a wildly inaccurate pass. Instead of uh, scattering, it's going to deviate. And then finally, if you roll a natural one, it's a fumbled pass, and the ball is going to fumble. Uh, it should be noted that anybody can do these actions. Even if you don't have the uh, passing attribute, you can still try to pass. It's just if it's null, if you have a dash, you will automatically fumble. I don't. I cannot imagine any reason why you'd want to do that, but uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, keep in mind that uh, handoffs are still available for people with uh, no passing attribute, no extra negative. That's right. So handoffs are just like uh, handoffs are basically passes without the pass. So a player that has the ball, he can hand off to an adjacent player. Uh, and then all you have to roll is the catch roll. There's there's no passing involved in a handoff. So what does it mean to deviate, to scatter, and to bounce? Uh, a deviation is you roll a d6 and a d8, so there's a scatter template in the game. 
Uh, you roll the d8 to determine which direction the ball's going to go. Um, that's one of the eight adjacent uh, directions to a space. And then the d6 is how far it'll go. Um, deviations, you'll most often see these on a kickoff. So on a kickoff, a kicker will place the ball in any square on the opponent's side of the pitch, and then the ball deviates from there. Uh, a scatter is uh, when the ball is going to, from the target space, it's going to move, or I shouldn't say target space, from the space of scatter, it's going to move three times one space. So you, you roll a D8 on that scatter template, the ball moves into that space, you roll it again, it moves into another space, you roll it again, it moves into another space. It's important to note that on deviations and scatters, the ball's not landing in each of these spaces, it's landing in the final space. So you can imagine the ball's just kind of in the air uh, until it gets to its final space. Uh, and then a bounce is just like a scatter, but it's one space. Uh, once it lands, if it lands in the space with a, a player, uh, that player is allowed to try to catch the ball. And there are uh, sometimes negative modifiers applied to that. Um, so, yeah, so now we know what a deviation, a scatter, and a bounce is. So a deviation is very far, you know, the ball moves very far away from where it should be or where it started. Uh, a scatter, it moves a little bit away, and a bounce, it just moves one space away. Um, so pass roll, interference roll, possible interception attempt. Um, and then finally, if it gets through all of that, the receiver gets an opportunity to catch the ball using the same rules as the interferer if he tried to catch the ball, except there's not a minus one uh, applied for him. There is a minus one if he's trying to uh, if he's trying to, to catch it in in certain situations, like it's thrown in for the crowd or it's uh, scattered or deviated or something like that. Um, but otherwise, it's a straight AG roll with a minus one for each mark. I believe a bouncing ball is always negative one in all cases. Yeah, oh, good point. Good point. Yeah. Um, so that was a lot to get through for a pass. And that should tell you that passes are very risky. There's lots of die rolls involved. Um, and this is a game where you don't want to be rolling dice if you can at all help it. You want your opponent to be rolling dice and you don't want to be rolling dice because you want your actions to be predictable. Um, and dice dice are not that, right? They're random. They're a, an element of randomness. Um, if the ball goes off the pitch, it gets thrown back in by the crowd. There's a throw-in template. Basically, it's a D3. It's actually a D6, but um, uh, it'll choose one of three directions, one of the adjacent spaces from the square. It was... Uh, it was... Uh, knocked out and then you roll a 2d6 to determine how far it's thrown back in if it's a corner throw in it just uses a different sort of uh, template but basically works the same way um i think that's everything so we, we talked about throw teammate briefly uh throw teammate basically works like uh, a normal throw except it's half the distance so it's only a, a distance of six uh that means you only get quick throws and short throws out of it um and then uh, you're actually throwing a teammate. So the the player who throws the teammate needs a skill that allows them to do that called throw teammate. And the player being thrown, he can't be huge and hulking. He has to be somebody who is able to be thrown. He's And he would have to have a skill called right stuff. So uh, a player with throw teammate can throw a friendly player with right stuff. 
and chuck him just like a normal pass. Uh, he can't be intercepted because he's a person, but uh, he does need to land on his feet. There are um, superb throws, successful throws, terrible throws. They're they're very similar to uh, to the the inaccurate passes. We won't go over the details again, um, uh, just because I think it's kind of out of the scope of the rules here. But basically speaking, throw teammate is throwing a teammate instead of the ball, and then the teammate. He doesn't need to catch the ball. Presumably he has the ball. Maybe he doesn't. Um, but he he will roll to land on his feet unless you throw him into someone else, which you can do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they had temporarily uh, nerfed this ability to oh, really? use your own teammates as ammo, where if any player was knocked down doing this, it was an automatic turnover. But... They reversed that decision, and now you can uh, chuck snotlings and goblins at the other team with uh, <laughs> impunity, with abandon, and uh, <laughs> try and kill them with your own live ammo. <laughs> Another fun thing to note is that now, if it's a good throw teammate, the thrower gets SPP which was not something that ha- ever happened yeah. before. So why don't we talk about that? Why don't we talk about, uh, why don't you t- tell us uh, what, what is SPP? What does it stand for? And what is it good for? So SPP is the experience that your teammates uh, get by performing certain actions that eventually allows them to level up and get new skills. Um, throwing teammates successfully now gives you an SPP um that's just like a pass right yeah uh getting a touchdown gives you three um let's see pass interference gives you two now for an interception for an interception yeah or just one for a deflection which is new. yeah which is huge yeah, yeah. Um, mvp it went from five down to four but i know you can no longer get MVP on a star player or a mercenary or a dead player, which is Isn't huge. that great? <laughs> <laughs> it's so much more friendly for hiring star players and whatnot. Yeah, um, so now now in the game, uh, or previously in the game, uh, the MVP was chosen at random. That's still true, but uh, you could loo- basically lose five SPP by having it be applied to a player that you then couldn't hire or use or applied to a player that was dead. Right. And that's no (laughs) longer the case. Yeah. I believe it can still go on the journeyman that you get. That is correct. Less of a, less of an issue here. Right. Because you can hire them. Yeah. And yeah, the way they've overhauled the SPP system is really interesting too, where now you can get random skills. You pay half the normal amount, so six at uh, level one to get a skill would now be three at level one to, to get, get a, a random skill. skill. Yeah. yeah. And now instead of rolling doubles to get a secondary skill, you just uh, purchase for more SPP. And so it makes it 
a lot easier for you to save up SPP and get exactly the skill you want. You can also just kind of go random and get just like a wacky, fun player to use as like a lineman or something like that, that you would never have taken before. Yeah, there's a little bit of a metagame there. So I think this is a great change. So before uh, you'd have players would have access to two buckets of skills, primary skills and secondary skills. Um, and there's four, four or five uh, generic buckets of skills, passing skills, agility skills, general skills, strength skills, and so on. Um, that's still there. But now um, when you level up, um, you can you have choices from the buckets you want to pull from. So uh, as you mentioned, uh, in the old game, to level up to level two, you need six SPP. That's still true here, sort of. So for six SPP, you can choose a primary skill, which is not very different than the original game. Or for six SPP, you can get access to a random secondary skill, which is different from the old game. In the old game, you'd have to roll doubles to get access to the secondary skills. Um, but as you mentioned, you could just level up at level three. At level three, you could randomly get a primary skill. Um, so you might, players might be saying, or potential coaches to the game of level might be saying, why would I do that? Well, you can't get a skill you already have. So there's a little bit of a metagame to be played there, right? Maybe you level up, you get a couple of skills from your primary bucket for six SPP at level one, eight at level two, and so on. Um, but maybe, maybe you're just a gambler and you're like, you know what? Of the skills that remain, there's only one or two that I don't want. Maybe I just, maybe I just spend half the SPP I would need to get one that I do want. So you have an option there. Um, you can also now you can level up and just go straight for your secondary skill at level one. That's 12 SPP. Uh, and then finally, if you had, if you rolled really well, in the old game, you could uh, improve a characteristic. Uh, now it just costs an arm and a leg, right? At level one, it's 18 yeah. SPP <laughs> to, to level up a characteristic. And even then, you're not necessarily getting the characteristic you want. You have to roll a D16 to determine yeah. which one is going to improve. So you're going to see a lot few strength four players that started at strength three. And uh, oh yeah, and movement is now capped to nine. So you're never going to see... A, Movement ten gutter runner ever again. Oh, there's no there's no more natural one turn TD gutter runner with sprint. I'm offended. <laughs> Unfortunately, not. <laughs> uh, one other way to score SPP we didn't mention, of course, is a touchdown. If you score a touchdown, you get three SPP. Um, so yeah, SPP stands for star player points. They're basically the experience points of Blood Bowl. This is how your players will gain new skills and improve over time. The downside is that. Uh, this is all counting against how much their worth is and their worth is combined with your, your staff, your, your, uh, non-player staff to determine what your team value is. Your team value is the total value of your team in gold pieces. Before a game starts, you compare the team value with your opponent and whoever has the, well, you can buy inducements from your, your treasury, um, so any money you have in the bank, you can buy what are called inducements. And inducements are a really fun part of the game. Inducements have been uh, majorly overhauled, I would say, in BB2020. Oh, absolutely. Uh, 
Yeah. So inducements are very, very different now. Uh, there's lots of different inducements to choose from. Um, any, anywhere from uh, wandering apothecaries to wizards. In the old game, we all knew about the wizard. The wizard had lightning bolt and fireball. He was a very strong piece. Now there are tons of wizards to choose from in uh, Blood Bowl. There are lots of different inducements to take in the game. Uh, the way inducements work, it's basically the comeback mechanic, or I shouldn't say comeback mechanic, but it allows lopsided teams to be competitive with each other. So you're going to calculate your TV, your team value. That's the value of all of your staff and your all your players, and they become more expensive or, or worth more as they skill up and things. And uh, you're not going to include uh, any players that are not playing this game, so any player that's injured or or, or something like that. Um, and uh, you mentioned artificial bunny that a uh, uh, fan fa- or uh, dedicated fans does not count either, right? Yeah, it's the old fan factor, but with a little extra, and yeah, it no longer counts towards your team value. Mm-hmm. So uh, you'll calculate your TV. You'll compare that against your opponent. Whoever is the underdog, whoever has the lower TV, is going to get the difference in petty cash. This is basically free money that that player gets to spend in the inducement phase for just this game. Uh, if they don't spend it, they lose it. Um, they can always dip into their treasury. Both teams can, in fact, dip into their treasury. Um, and then both teams will buy inducements. Um, there are lots of inducements to choose from. Uh, I really want to get to prayers to Nuffle, but we should probably talk about the inducements. So let's talk about some of these inducements you can get. I think you're uh, going to love the Weather Mage, which was added, <laughs> where you get to uh, roll for some uh, sweltering heat or a blizzard <laughs> for a pair of turns. <laughs> right. So uh, uh, what hasn't changed is uh, you can pick up some cheerleaders. That'll help you out on the kickoff event table, which I realize we have not discussed. We'll discuss that after inducements. Uh, you can pick up assistant coaches that can help you also on the kickoff event table. Uh, there's the weather mage. So you can pick up a weather mage that's going to allow you to re-roll the weather for uh, uh, it lasts through your opponent's next turn. Correct. So. Yes. You re-roll the weather, but it's not just re-rolling the weather. You can change that from anywhere from minus two to plus two. So <laughs> it, could, <laughs> it could be wacky weather for, for a little bit, uh, which I think is great. Um, Bloodweiser Babes have been renamed to Bloodweiser Kegs. Otherwise, they work the same way. They give you a plus one to your knockout rolls. Um, there are special plays. I don't know if these will be in Blood Bowl 3, but basically there are decks of cards. There are six different decks of cards. Um, you can buy uh, up to five of these things. Uh, you roll a D6. You don't get to choose the deck, but you roll a D6. That's the deck that you pull from. You draw the top two cards off the deck. You keep one. You discard the other one. These can be things from... Uh, so the decks are called Random Events, Dirty Tricks, Magical Memorabilia, Heroic Feats, Benefits of Training, and Miscellaneous Mayhem. Um, there's Extra Team Training. This gives you extra rerolls you can buy. Bribes allow... Uh, if you get called off the pitch, you can use a bribe to stay on the pitch. You roll a D6. So long as it's not a one, uh, the ref will accept your bribe. Um, uh, importantly, we talked about arguing the call. You can use a bribe with arguing the call, but you have to use arguing the call first. And <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Which is great. Um, but if you fail that arguing the call, if you roll a one, you don't get to use the bribe. You're, the ref's just like, get out of here. Get out. I don't want your money. <laughs> uh, you can pick up a couple of extra apothecaries. Um, 
and there's various versions of this, right? You can get apothecaries, uh, but the other teams can get extra whatevers as well. There's a mortuary assistant. There's a plague doctor. They all work in similar ways. Uh, interestingly, I thought uh, you could pick up some journeymen. So we haven't talked about what a journeyman was. If you go into a game uh, down a few players, like if you can't field a full 11-player team, you have to pick up journeymen to fill at least – well, they don't have to be journeymen, but – you have to pick up players to fill in your roster. Uh, journeymen are players that are given to you, quote unquote, for free. They will count against your TV when determining petty cash. Um, but otherwise, you don't have to pay for them. They're only going to play for that game. You can hire them at the end of the game. They always come with the loner skill. This is what's called a nigga trait or a nigga skill. Uh, when he tries to spend a team reroll, you roll a D6 on a four plus. He can use it. Otherwise, he can't. And in either event, he loses it. So loners tend to go last in the action order because you don't want to risk a, a turnover on that very risky loner roll. They're also great for popping on the line to get hit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're not full-time players. Just just put them up there to get beat up. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> they're the temp workers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so one of the inducements that are new to the game is you can get riotous rookies. So for uh, 100,000 gold, you roll a 2D, 3 plus 1, you get that many journeymen for the game. And this can this can take you over your 16-player limit. This is great for a number of teams, I think. Yeah, well, I think you can only get it on the Ogre and Snotling teams currently. Yeah, so a number of these, a number of these inducements, uh, and we'll get into that more in a future episode when we talk about the teams, uh, teams have certain uh, attributes to them. Um, so for example, for the riotous rookies, you have to have this special rule called the low cost lineman. So, um, like not everybody can get a plague doctor. Not everybody can get a mortuary assistant. Um, and you'll see a lot of that in this game. Bribes cost less for certain teams if they have what's called the, the bribery and corruption special, special rule, things like that. Um, but yeah, certain teams that have access to it, I think can benefit greatly from that. Uh, I think that's a huge get on, a. Uh, on an inducement. There's also a couple of other things you can get in inducements. Uh, one is called a mercenary. Um, this is like a journeyman. So the journeyman is basically whatever your default lineman is with the loner skill. Uh, a mercenary is any positional you want. You want another catcher uh, for this game only? You pick up a mercenary. Um, they are expensive. Uh, they're what? I think they're 50k higher than their normal cost. They do come with the loner skill. Um, but you can also spend, I think, another 50k, uh, no, the 30k higher than the normal cost. You can spend 50k on top of that to give them one of their, uh, primary skills. Uh, I almost never go for a mercenary, uh, but some yeah. people do. It, it can be really helpful, but it's also really expensive. Super expensive. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can pick up star players. So these are named players that you can pick up in the game of Blood Bowl. Uh, these really haven't changed, but we should go over them. Uh, we're not going to go over who they are, but uh, different races have access to different star players. If two teams have access to the same star player and pick that star player, that star player will take both of their money and then not play. <laughs> so that's something <laughs> to keep in mind. Um, yeah. But interestingly, uh, they added... Basically, star coaches and star refs, right? So there's famous coaches and biased referees as inducements that I think is a marvelous addition to the game. 
Yeah, I haven't seen these get played yet, but I'd imagine that they'll hopefully come into uh, Blood Bowl 3 to be useful. Yeah, so uh, famous coaches are exactly like star players, except they are coaching staff. So you can get famous coaches for a game. Um, the rulebook actually calls them famous or infamous coaches. <laughs> um, and they give you just different abilities. Uh, for example, there's, there's one called Yosef Bugman. He's a, he's a dwarf. Uh, he has a, a dwarven ale called Bugman's, uh, sextuple X. <laughs> uh, when you roll on a knockout, uh, he can reroll all ones on knockout rolls, which is good. But, uh, really, really fun, I think, is that if you have less than 11 players, he can actually come onto the pitch and play for a drive before the ref realizes that he's not a player. He's a coach. <laughs> he kicks him <laughs> off the pitch. <laughs> so that's really cool. Uh, there's also biased refs. Uh, they work exactly the same way as star players and as famous coaches. Um, you can induce a biased ref. If both coaches induce the same biased ref, he'll take their money and, and run. Uh, but basically a biased ref will either give an advantage he'll either look the other way for the team that gets him or he'll have a he'll have a trained eye on the opponent right uh, <laughs> i think that's so fun so fun uh the standard wizard returns uh the lightning bolt has been replaced with zap so the fireball is exactly the same uh but zap instead of a lightning bolt it turns a player into a frog <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a little harder to do. It's not a two plus anymore. It's, uh, almost certainly why they changed it. Um, but, uh, they, you have to hold, roll higher than the target player's strength. Um, if you roll higher or you get a six, a six is a natural sixes always succeed. Natural ones always fail. Uh, then that player is turned into a frog for the remainder of the drive. <laughs> so, uh, frogs have no hands, so they can't hold onto the ball. If they were holding on the ball, they would drop it. Uh, they are actual pieces on the board, though, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> they will be a frog on the board for the rest of the drive. Uh, they they can move. They have an MA of five, strength of one, AG of two. They have no passing. Uh, and then they have a, a pitiful AV of five plus, uh, which <laughs> in Blood Bowl 2 would be a four. <laughs> so, yeah, they're not going to be on the pitch very long. <laughs> no. <laughs> But they do have frog abilities, right? They have dodge, leap, they're stunty, they're titchy, they have very long legs, because of course they do. They're frogs. So I really, I just really enjoy that. I think that's a, a marvelous addition to the game. I'm really hoping this gets into Blood Bowl 3, because that'll be a lot of fun. Me too, man, me too. Uh, there are named wizards as well. There are a ton of different wizards. We won't get into them, um, but you can get all sorts of different wizards now, uh, which is really cool. Um, so that's the inducement phase. Uh, inducements are there to uh, help even out, uh, level the playing field, so to speak, uh, when you are the underdog. Uh, we mentioned that uh, some of the inducements help you on the kickoff event. Oh, you know what we didn't do? You know what we didn't do, Artificial Bunny? We didn't talk about what, prayers to Nuffle. We did not. Oh, that's that's one of my favorite additions to Blood Bowl 2020. <laughs> so, so after both teams have bought inducements, uh, uh, you recalculate your TV, and then the underdog is going to get the remaining money uh, that he can use to appeal to the great Nuffle for divine intervention. For every 50K, 
he can spend it to roll on the prayers to Nuffle table. Oh, great Nuffle. We have always, we've always asked for your guidance and assistance. <laughs> and now we have a game mechanic to make it so. So <laughs> I do. These are a lot of fun. Yeah. I want to go over every one of these because I just think this is such a great addition to the game. So the underdog can spend 50, for every 50k they spend at this point in the inducement phase, they can roll on the prayers to Nuffle table. These have various effects. It's a D16. Every single face has a different result. These effects can be anywhere from something that lasts for a turn to something that lasts for the game, uh, which is super, super cool. Uh, one thing that is different that you'll notice on uh, BB2020 pitches is that there are two trap doors on the pitch. What could those be for? <laughs> well, they were on the Blood Bowl 2016 version also, but they mm. didn't get used, so... Now we get use. Yeah. One of the results on the prayers to Nuffle Table is a treacherous trap door. Until the end of a half, every time a player enters a trap door square for any reason, you roll a d6 on a one, they fall through and they're removed from play exactly as if they were crowd surfed. So if you are pushed off of the pitch, uh, it's going to be a, a straight injury roll from the, the crowd's not very... They, they don't like it when you're pushed off the pitch. Uh, so... Uh, you generally don't want to be crowd surf. Trap doors work exactly like a crowd surf. I think that's great. I think that's great. <laughs> I just want to see plays that are set up around trap doors because that would make me so happy. Um, <laughs> Luring in the other team to step yeah. on the trap door. What could happen? <laughs> uh, there's another result on the table. It's called friends with the ref until the end of the drive. You may treat a roll of five plus on the argue the call table as a, well, when you put it like that result. And what that means is, uh, remember when you argue the call on a six, it works out for you. On a two through five, that's what, well, when you put it like that means. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, a six is well when you put it like that. Uh, a two through five is, is nothing happens. Well, now you can treat a five or a six as a success on that roll. Um, so that's, that's great, right? So you get that for the whole drive. That means you can uh, you can foul a whole lot longer because you're friends with the ref. <laughs> uh, there's a stiletto. You randomly select one player on your team. That player, uh, he can't have the loner trait, but until the end of the drive, he gets stab. We like stab. Love stab. <laughs> yeah, stab is a stab is a block without the block dice. You have to you have to make a, a roll for it. But uh, uh, if you fail the roll. It's not a turnover, so stabs are always very scary. You see them a lot on Dark Elf teams. Uh, there's Iron Man. Uh, choose one player on your team that is available to play during this drive and that does not have the loner trait until the end of the game. The player improves their AV by 1 to a maximum of 11+. plus. So this increases your armor value for the rest of the game. Can be great. Not something you want to see on a dwarf team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've also talked about uh, we've talked about in the Blood Bowl two how the difference between AV seven and AV eight is huge. That has not changed in this game, so that one point of armor value can make a big, big difference. Knuckle dusters choose one player on your team that is available to play during this drive uh, until the end of the drive. The player gains mighty blow. Uh, I don't know how mighty blow has changed in this game. Has it changed it in any significant way? Well, it's no longer stackable with claw, which is 
Mm. Kind of a blessing. <laughs> and now there's a Mighty Blow Plus 2 that you'll see on certain star players. So. Ooh. Ooh. So Mighty Blow uh, gives you a plus one on your armor or your injury roll. Uh, and now you now you can get a Mighty Blow Plus 2? That's great. Uh, bad Habits is another uh, another result on the prayer to Nuffle table. Randomly select D3 opposition players that are available to play during this drive. Until the end of the drive, those players gain the lull. <laughs> those players gain loner. Now it's it's a better loner. It's a loner two plus, but it's still loner. <laughs> but, yeah, that's it's good. <laughs> well, well, I love you want this. To see on yours. <laughs> There are greasy cleats. Randomly select one opposition player that is available to play during this drive. That player has their boots tampered with. Until the end of the drive, their MA is reduced by one. Uh, also, pretty pretty cool. Man, can you imagine having a, a Skaven gutter runner? And you're just like, come on, man. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Pop it on someone's treeman. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's the blessed statue of Nuffle himself. Choose one player on your team that is available to play during this drive until the end of the game. The player has the pro skill. That's a that's a passing skill that can help you out. Uh, <laughs> moles under the pitch. Man, who's who's uh, taking care this, of your pitch if you have bowls under the pitch? This one definitely helped me on one of my games. <laughs> really? <laughs> Until the end of the half, apply a minus one modifier every time a player attempts to rush an extra square. Minus two should it occur that both coaches have rolled this result. Oh, that's like a blizzard. <laughs> it's a blizzard. Yes, exactly. For an entire half. Wow. Or for an entire drive. <laughs> Perfect passing until the end of this game. Any player on your team that makes a completion earns two SPP rather than one. That's great. Uh, there's fan interaction until the end of the drive. If a player on your team causes a casualty by pushing an opponent into the crowd, that player is going to earn two SPP exactly as if they've caused a casualty by performing the block action. So when you get the two SPP normally for uh, causing a casualty, you only get it on the block action. You don't get it on fouls. You don't get it on crowd surfs. So that's great, too. Frenzy uh, teams love this one. <laughs> mm -hmm. Necessary violence until the end of this drive. Any player on your team that causes a casualty earns three SPP rather than two. Holy smokes. I would love that. That's a touchdown's <laughs> worth right there. Yeah. Fouling frenzy until the end of the drive. Any player in your team that causes a casualty with the foul action earns two SPP exactly as if they had caused a casualty by performing a block action. Uh, so that's, we just talked about that. That gives you the SPP for the fouls. That one is so good. <laughs> mm -hmm. Throw a rock. We've seen uh, a similar form of this in Blood Bowl 2. Until the end of this drive, should an opposition player stall, we'll talk about what stalling means in just a second. Uh, at the end of their team turn, you may roll a d6 on a roll of a 5, plus an angry fan <laughs> throws a rock at that player. The player is immediately knocked down. So stalling is now a mechanic in this game. You would see in Blood Bowl 2 coaches... Uh, that were in great position, they would move a cage or the ball carrier up uh, to just outside the end zone on the 24-yard line, and they would sit there for as long as they can because they don't want their opponent to get a drive in on the half. Uh, well, now, if you have the ball, if you can take your action free and clear, meaning you're not marked, 
Um, there's no risk to it. You don't have to rush. Um, and you can score, but you don't. You are considered stalling. And that uh, comes into effect on this result. So if you are considered stalling, a fan can just chuck a rock at you. So you need to be careful of that now in Blood Bowl 3. Doesn't come into effect too often, but it's there. It's it is going to be fun. It is there. Uh, there are two left under scrutiny at, until the end of this half. Any player on the opposing team that commits a foul action is automatically seen by the referee, even if a natural double is not rolled. Wow, <laughs> that's really good. Uh, and that lasts for a full half, too. Finally, there is intensive training. Randomly select one player on your team that is available to play during this drive and that does not have the loaner trade. I skipped the does not have the loaner trade on a bunch of these. Uh, but generally speaking, uh, a lot of these that have you choose a player uh, require it to not be a loaner. So that means you can't choose a star player or a merc or something. Uh, until the end of the game, that player gains a single primary skill of your choice. That's great, too. Wow. It absolutely is. Man. So that's the prayers to Nuffle Table. I adore that. <laughs> I think that's such a great addition to the game. It adds so much um, flavor to it. Yeah, it really does. Um, and that's that's how to play Blood Bowl. Um, it's a lot. But once you start playing, you start to get in the groove. You're like, okay, uh, I understand how the die rolls work. I understand how movement works. Um, you'll start to hear terminology that comes out of these rules, like, uh, when a player exerts a tackle zone, he's controlling space, right? Because uh, because this is a game of luck mitigation, you don't want to be rolling dice. So if you're exerting tackle zones, if a play, if an opposing player wants to run through those spaces, they have to dodge out, and that's more dice that they have to roll. So you start to learn like where you can exert control on the pitch. You start to learn how you can maximize the block dice you can take, how you can minimize your opponent's block dice, and from all of this. Uh, your strategies start to form. You're like, oh, how can I, how can I force him to make a mistake? Uh, and that's where the fun of Blood Bowl comes in. I think I really love this game. Yeah, and we should probably talk about two of the things that changed most between the previous version of Blood Bowl and Blood Bowl 2020, being uh, the kickoff table, which is at the start of each drive. And then the way uh, money is uh, given out at the end of the game. Let's do it. Let's talk about the kickoff table first. Uh, the kickoff event table. So on the kickoff, uh, again, when you kick the ball, you're going to choose a target square in your opponent's half of the pitch. The ball is going to deviate from there. So you roll a D8 to determine which direction it goes, and then a D6 to determine how far it goes. Uh, once you have done that, that is where the ball is going to rest when it lands. But before it lands, you roll a 2d6 on the kickoff event table. Um, there are a bunch of different options because this is a 2d6 as opposed to, say, a d16. Um, some of these options are more common than others. In other words, uh, brilliant coaching is going to happen a whole lot more than a pitch invasion because that's on a 7 as opposed to a 12. Yeah, uh, changing weather used to be the seven, so you'd see that the most often, but mm -hmm. now you've got brilliant coaching, so good chance for the other or for either team to get an extra reroll instead of uh, changing the weather. Makes the uh, makes the uh, assistant coaches uh, maybe a little more well, it definitely makes them a little more powerful. We'll see if it incentivizes people to pick them up more than they did uh, in bubble two. Definitely more powerful than the cheerleaders at this point. 
Yeah. So it used to be that the coaches and the cheerleaders were seven and eight. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Six and eight, right? Yeah. Although uh, cheer- cheerleaders or cheering fans now give you a prayer to Nuffle, which we just talked about. And uh, cheering fans, as you mentioned, gives you the prayer to Nuffle, whereas the brilliant coaching gives you the reroll. And that is the more common result now. Um, there's get the ref. That's when you roll a two. There's only one way to roll a two on 2d6. Uh, so it's not that, not that often that you'll see this, but each team's going to get a free bribe. Uh, that almost always incentivizes a lot of fouling. Uh, number three is a timeout. This used to be called a riot. Um, but now it's a timeout. Uh, if the kicking team's turn marker is on turn six, seven, or eight for the half, then you gain a turn. Otherwise, you lose a turn. So um, very interesting change to a riot. A riot used to be, for the most part, random, unless uh, one team only had one turn remaining or it was, uh, quote-unquote, turn zero. Yeah, I like this change. I think it's good. Yeah, I think it's good. I think the kickoff table just got a lot less uh, swingy, so it's less likely to, like change the change the result of the game for one player or the other and just give it a little more flavor instead yeah i completely agree um so as we go through these listings i I was going to mention that too i'm I'm glad you brought it up uh while i really love the kickoff event table in bb2 it swingy is a great word for it like you could get a really bad result and go oh i can't believe that just happened yeah, like turn one, <laughs> you could just have the game lost for you. And- right, and that's uh, that's really unfortunate, and that's uh, you don't want that in your game. Um, but uh, the new kickoff event table, I, I really like it a lot because the kickoff event table uh, is still in place. It's still a lot of fun, but uh, it's less uh, it's less uh, overtly just oh, I just lost a game of craps, and now I've lost you know my blood ball match. Um, uh, a four on the kickoff uh, event table is a solid defense. You roll a D3 plus three, and that amount of open players on the kicking team may be removed and set up again to different locations. Uh, this used to be called what it, perfect defense, where you could change Correct. everyone who wasn't marked. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I think that's a good change as well. Um, high kick, uh, this hasn't changed as far as I know. Uh, one open player on the receiving team can be moved under the ball to try to pick it up without having to roll for it on their turn. Um, that's great. Cheering fans, uh, as you mentioned, this has changed. This is a, a D6 added to your cheerleaders. And the coach with the highest total uh, can roll once on the prayers to nuffle table. Uh, if it's a tie, nobody gets it. Uh, that is awesome. Yeah, it's so much fun to have that happen mid-game. I love how fans and coaches are different now. I, I think that's so great. I love the idea of you having just a, a cadre of cheerleaders and they're getting the crowd so hyped that somebody's prayers to Nuffle got through. <laughs> and it's going to affect the team. I really love that. That's on a six. On a seven, this will be the most common result in the game, is brilliant coaching. This used to also give you a reroll. It's different now. You take your uh, 
assistant coaches, add that to a D6. Uh, whoever has the higher roll, uh, gives you the reroll here. So, uh, it's a, it's the same effect, but a little more common. Uh, changing weather is now the eight on a 2D6. Uh, you just reroll the weather. Uh, so you reroll the weather and you apply the effects. Um, number nine is quick snap. That's a D3 plus three. That many open players on the receiving team get to move one square in any direction. Again, this is a change from, uh, what was it called in LRB6? Uh, I thought it was also quick snap. Was it? Yeah, you might be right. Yeah, but in the LRB6, everybody got to move, right? Yeah. So now it's D3 well, plus three, which. Everyone off the line, anyways. Right, which I think is a better change. Uh, Blitz has been changed as well, and this is uh, the most apparent uh, of these D3 plus 3 skills that I think uh, is a great change. This is huge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you roll D3 plus 3 on Blitz now. Blitz is on a, uh, on a 10 result, and that many players can activate. Uh, they have to be open players. Um, before you could blitz everybody who was open, or uh, you could activate everybody who was open. So you basically got a free turn. Now you get D3 plus three players. So, uh, nerfed, but I think, uh, I think for good reason. The, uh, the 11 on a 2D6, there's only two ways to roll this. This is an officious ref. Both coaches roll a D6 and add their fan factor to the result. We haven't really touched on fan factor, but when you start a new team, you can purchase fan factor. These are, are uh, dedicated fans, I should say, rather. Um, and then as you play in, in competition, when you win games, you may gain fans, dedicated fans. And when you lose games, you may lose dedicated fans. Uh, but this is going to translate into fan factor in a game. Um, you roll a D6 and add it to your fan factor. Uh, the coach that rolls the lowest randomly selects one of their players from among those on the pitch. Um, if it's a tie, they both roll. You roll a D6 for those players on a roll of a two plus the referee and the player come to blows. <laughs> and the player gets placed prone and becomes stunned. Uh, but if you think that means you're safe on a one, you're not on a one. You just get sent off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yikes. So this replaces throw a rock that was on the uh, previous kickoff event table where your player could actually get injured from the rock and yes. <laughs> nope, that was never fun so no, it, was, it wasn't fun <laughs> when you were playing it was fun to watch <laughs> oh absolutely but having one um, of your players just randomly killed uh, from under you was never fun yeah so, it never felt good the, just uh, being final, sent off is okay <laughs> <laughs> the uh, final results on uh, the kickoff event table is boxcars 12 that's the pitch invasion. This has changed too. Uh, both coaches roll a D6 and add their fan factor of the result. The coach that rolled the lowest randomly selects D3 of their players from among those on the pitch. In the case of the tie, both coaches roll it. Um, and then those players are placed prone and become stunned. Yeah. So, now it's uh, only that was D3 instead of like your entire t- team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the kickoff event table has been changed uh, dramatically to be uh uh, less swingy, as you said, be more fair. And I think that's a good change. So far, all of these changes, I think, are great for the game. I think they were needed, and I'm really appreciative of Games Workshop uh, kind of going back to the drawing board here and seeing what worked and what didn't. They didn't They didn't massively overhaul the game Blood Bowl. They said, what works, we keep, and what isn't working, we're going to change. And I, I think it's been nothing but for the better. 
Absolutely. Yeah. All right. You talked about winning. So at the end of the game of Blood Bowl, you earn money. And uh, I mentioned briefly how you can, uh, maybe I didn't, but you can earn money at the end of the game. If you're the winner, you get to re-roll your earnings. If you're the loser, you don't. Uh, how do winnings work in Blood Bowl 2020? Well, it's a little different and it leads to your team getting a whole lot more money per game than ever before. So the uh, fan attendance, which is based on your dedicated fans and whatnot, uh, you add that with the dedicated fans of your opponent, divide it by two, and then multiply that by 10,000 gold. You're getting that for the game. Every touchdown that you've got is now worth 10K. So that's a lot. That's a lot more. Yeah. So faster teams that do a lot more scoring are going to get even more money now to make up for all that they're losing in their players. So that's fantastic. Yeah. So now, uh, it doesn't matter whose fans are in the stadium. So long as there's a lot of fans, uh, people are making bank. Exactly. Yeah. You'll find that your treasury keeps going up a lot more than it ever did before, where occasionally you could have a game where you'd only get 10 K and now you're guaranteed a whole lot more. Yeah. Why don't we talk about that? So they have, uh, this has always been, uh, in the old rules, this has been a thing of contention about how to manage money in the bank. Um, so in the new rules, they've gone with this. Uh, it's called expensive mistakes. So uh, if you have over 100000 in your treasury, uh, which isn't a whole lot, um, now at the end of a game, you're going to have to roll for expensive mistakes. Now... Uh, they're divided up into six segments, uh, and it's, uh, every, uh, every hundred thousand. So once you have a hundred thousand in your bank up to less than two hundred thousand, uh, you roll a D6 on a one. You have what's called a minor incident, uh, from 200 K to less than 300 K on a one or a two. You have a minor incident 300 to less than 400 K. You get two minor incidents and a major incident. And then it's two minors, two majors, two minors, two majors, a catastrophe, and two minors, two majors, and two catastrophes when you get beyond 600,000K. What does that mean? Well, a minor incident means that you lose D3 times 10,000 gold pieces from your treasury. Uh, a major incident means you lose half of your treasury. Oh, and a catastrophe means your entire treasury is emptied except for 2D6 times 10,000 gold pieces. Um, yeah. This is to incentivize you not sitting on money to ensure that you can keep your team roster full and also not give away the TV, right? So this is yeah. to, this is to say, if I want my team to be strong, it's going to count as a strong team when it comes to the inducement phase. Yeah, it doesn't really, or it doesn't really become detrimental until you hit that 300,000 K mark, which really is fairly rare. <laughs> yeah. 300,000 yeah. K is a lot. And that's when you hit the 50, 50 mark, right? That's where a four plus you're safe, a three or less, you're losing some money. 
Yeah. Well, and even then, that's the only time that you'll start getting major incidents where you can lose half of your money. So mm, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, that's really it. That's it from Blood Bowl. Have, do you think we've missed anything? Uh, well, along with all of the uh, new team stuff, there are a lot of updated skills that we can go over at a later time. And, yeah, uh, I think we'll go over those when we talk about the the individual teams. But yeah, yeah, lots of skills have been changed. Yeah, and some new traits as well. So. Mm-hmm. I do like the, how they've codified uh, they've codified some uh, league scoring to uh, incidentally be more like our league. So uh, a win's worth three points, a draw's worth one point, but you can also add points. Uh, additional points, which I think are very interesting. So after the, uh, after the end of the game of a game, if you score three or more touchdowns, you can gain a point for that on the standings. Uh, if you give up no touchdowns, if your opponent scores no touchdowns, you can get an extra point. Uh, and if you cause three or more casualties, you can get an extra point. So conceivably, you could win a game, and instead of getting three points on the standings, you could get six points on the standings. I think that's very interesting. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, and then they have some uh, some rules for glittering prizes. These are uh, tournament winnings um, where you can earn some extra money. Um, otherwise, tournament rules are very, very similar to what we do. Uh, divisional teams, the top two teams from each division make the cut. Um, not a whole lot has changed there. There's there's some rules for like uh, temporarily retiring players, but uh, we won't get into that here. I think it's outside the scope of this. Uh, I, I told Artificial Bunny before this started, I was like, let's try to keep this to 30 minutes. We are now the two-hour mark. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Always good to have goals. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think we've uh, I think we've achieved, uh, speaking of goals, I think we've achieved our goal here. Uh, hopefully now you have a, uh, a basic understanding of how to play Blood Bowl and uh, you understand if you want to... Uh, pick up the game or not it's a it's a great time to do it you can either pick up blood bowl 2 which is very inexpensive right now on steam or uh blood bowl 3 comes out on uh, february 23rd and you can play with these new rules which i'm very excited to do all right uh artificial bunny thanks for joining me today um i figure next week we'll uh we'll talk about some of these teams that are in uh, blood bowl 3 and and new traits and skills and all that good stuff what do you say sounds like a great time That'll do it for this episode. You can watch the Mid-Atlantic Mulling League on Twitch at twitch.tv slash avaunit02. That's E-V-A-U-N-I-T, the letter O, the number two. And watch archived games on YouTube at Blood Bowl Mammal. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.mammal.club. That's M-A-M-L dot C-L-U-B. You can also follow us on Twitter at Blood Bowl underscore Mammal. Mastodon at mammal at M-A-S dot T-O, or on Facebook at Blood Bowl Mammal. Play Blood Bowl! You can play Blood Bowl online via Cyanide Studios Blood Bowl 2, Blood Bowl 3, or in Games Workshop's tabletop form at your friendly local game store. Be kind to each other. Forgive everyone. Praise Nuffle. And may he bless your dice.